I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of Couch Talks on Unit Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat. I am the host. And before we get started, quick reminder, as always, that although this podcast is hosted by a therapist and it's called Unit Therapy, this does not serve as a replacement or a substitute for any actual mental health services, including therapy. However, it definitely can help on your journey that might also include going to therapy. If you are new or newer and you're like, wait, what is Couch Talks? I'm lost. Couch Talks is the special bonus episode that comes out every single Wednesday where I answer questions that listeners send to me. And you can send those to Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. And maybe one day I might answer your question on the podcast. Now, I am freshly back from my trip to New York right now. I am recording this on a Tuesday. I got back on Sunday night and oh my gosh, it was so much fun. I wanted to extend my trip and I even behind the scenes while Patrick wasn't looking, looked up if we could change our flights. (laughs) However, I'm glad we didn't because both of us ended up getting cold. You might be able to even tell by the sound of my voice right now because the weather was freaking crazy. It was like 65 degrees when we got there. Then the next day it rained and then it dropped to like 20s or something like that. And then the next day it was even more cold. And so we had like every season in like three days. So it was really fun. I do have to share the story though. And there's a reason I'm sharing it, but I am somebody. And if you're like me, shout out to all you people who have airport anxiety. And I mean, not like fear of flying that doesn't really get to me. It is the fear of like missing my flight and not having enough time to like get everything that I need to get done before I, you know, get on my flight. And I've actually never missed a flight. I've been close before, but nothing like what I experienced on Thursday. So we took a really early flight. It was 5.50. And I'm the kind of person who like, I'm getting to the airport two hours early. But 
I was like, you know, it's 5.50. We'll get there at like 4.50. We'll get there an hour before. The airport's never really busy. And, you know, security moves really fast. I've never really stood in the security line at the national airport for too long unless there is actually some like weather issue or something like that. And so let's be cool and work on this anxiety and just get there an hour before. And that was the biggest mistake of the whole trip because we got there a little bit over an hour before, checked our bags, everything. We got to the security line and Nashville has changed the airport since the last time I have flown and all gates go through the same security line. Now we stayed in that line for 45 minutes. I kid you not. And when we first got in it, both Patrick, my boyfriend and I we're thinking we this will probably move fast like it's long but like it'll move well 20 minutes in I'm like you know it's not moving and it was as if nobody had any urgency it felt as if everybody got to the airport four hours early so nobody was really concerned and we were the only people that were in a rush so by the time we got through the gate I mean we were so antsy. We were like literally down to the wire counting down the minutes. It was wild. Patrick wouldn't let me ask if we could cut in line because he said that was cringy and rude. And I said, well, next time we're doing that because we almost missed this flight. We get through security. Thank God we didn't have to get our bags checked and we booked it. Of course, we were at the freaking last terminal or gate. We booked it like, I don't know how long. I find myself to be a good runner, a strong runner However, I was carrying this tote bag that I had put this, it was literally like 10 pounds bag of these trolley sour gummy worms that Patrick had got me for Valentine's Day. And I had them in my bag. I had a tote bag and not a backpack. And so it was like hard to carry. We're like running through the airport. Patrick's six foot. I'm like five, three. So of course his strides are longer and I, my lungs are burning. I can't breathe. My legs hurt. I'm in jeans. And so I stop and I'm like, I can't go any farther. And Patrick turns around. He's like, we have to go. Cat, we have to go. Come on. And I just looked at him and I was like, go without me. Just go without me. I can't make it. It was if I was like, saying goodbye to him forever. I was like, save yourself. Uh, I'll be fine. But my real thought was if he gets to the gate, he can hold it like one more minute and I'll be like trucking behind him. Anyway, we get to our gate. Everybody's boarded. And when Patrick got there, they said, are you Patrick? He was like, yes. And so when I got there, I was like, oh, I, mean, I made it. And they're like, you have one minute, get on the plane. So we got on the plane. It was like not even half full of flight. So we got great seat. That wasn't the issue. But I was so exhausted. I felt like I had run 15 marathons. My anxiety was at an all-time high, and I never want to experience that again. Now, you might be asking, why are you telling this story? What's the point? Well, the point is, a lot of times we look at anxiety like it's a really bad thing. Like, I have anxiety or worry about something, then I need to get rid of it. I need to work on it. I just need to be cool. I need to go with the flow. I need to do all of that. However, anxiety is a very helpful thing at times. There are types of anxiety and forms of anxiety, levels of anxiety that move us through our world. Tara, who has been on the show multiple times, she said one time, she was like, yeah, anxiety is why I get out of bed in the morning because I, I need to get to work. I have anxiety about getting to work on time. And that is good. It's something that pushes you. It's energy that pushes you to do and get and find the things that you need. And my airport anxiety is there for a reason. It's very helpful. It gets me to the airport at a time where I feel relaxed. I can enjoy my experience and all of that. So there's no reason that I need to work on this and change how I 
do the airport because it's not affecting my life negatively. Now, if it was, if it was giving my life negative consequences by having to get to the airport two hours early, that would be a whole different conversation, but it's not hurting me. In fact, it is helping me. And so I would just want to share that story because so often when we joke about or just state, I say joke about because anxiety has become more of just like a subject for memes on Instagram. But as we talk about anxiety, oftentimes we talk about it with this negative connotation. I have anxiety about that and that means that that's bad. And I want you guys to know that you have the ability to befriend your anxiety. Like I'm befriending my airport anxiety 100% because it is giving me something that I need. It's giving me peace of mind. It's giving me ample time. It's allowing me, it's actually my anxiety is allowing me to be relaxed. So I just want to share that to before you decide you need to get rid of that anxiety, look at, is this causing me negative consequences in my life? Is there a reason I want to get rid of this? Or do I just think I need to get rid of this because anxiety is supposed to be bad? But anxiety also, it's a fancy word for fear. And and oftentimes fear is showing us what's important and it's pointing us to a need, keeping us safe. And getting to the airport two hours early keeps me safe because I don't have to almost have a heart attack running to the airport lugging an eight pound bag of trolley sour gummy worms. So I wanted to share that. That's the highlight of my trip. <laughs> no, the trip was really awesome. I had a great time. Thank you for anybody who sent me Rex. I had a lot of good bagels. It was wonderful. Now I want to get to the real meat of today's Couch Talks. And if any of you guys did not know, some of you might know this, next week is NIDA week. And NIDA is the National Eating Disorder Awareness Association. And they have this week, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, to spread hope, to spread awareness about eating disorders. And I am somebody who early on in my career specialized in eating disorders as a therapist. And when I started this podcast, I felt like I was putting out more content that actually had to do with body image and eating disorders and all that kind of stuff. And while I still, I think, weave that in, I haven't had a lot of dedicated content recently. So next week, I'm going to dedicate Monday and Wednesday's episode on that subject. So if you have any questions that have to do with body image, eating disorders, disordered eating, from any perspective, it can be from a family member, from somebody actually going through that any of that from an athlete perspective, just send me your questions and I will use those to guide some of what I put out next week. And instead of answering a question today, I thought I would share a story from my life recently that had to do with my history with disordered eating and body image and something that I learned and something that was really actually helpful in a really weird way. So As somebody with a history of disordered eating, one thing that I know helps me maintain recovery and just helps me stay in line with what I want to stay in line with when it comes to how I treat my body and talk to my body and view my body is not knowing my weight. Now, if I am at the point now, if I see my weight, I see it, but there's no reason I need to see my weight. So if I can avoid seeing it, I'm definitely going to do that. I'm not going to go out of my way to know how much I weigh. It's just not necessary. It goes back to kind of what I talked about in some past episodes recently. We got to find ways to make whatever it is that we're looking to find or do or accomplish easy. And so it makes it easier for me to not know my weight. So I try not to know my weight. Now, 
at the doctor, you know, you get weighed. And there's a really simple solution to this. If I don't want to know my weight, I just tell the doctor, hey, I don't want to know my weight. So please don't say it out loud when I go on the scale. And a lot of people don't know that's something that you can do. And so if that is something that you would like to move forward, not knowing your weight, you when you go to the doctor, you can very simply ask your doctor that I don't want to know my weight. You can tell them if you don't want the weight. And like we have an online portal that has some of that information on there. And I can say like, can you take that off of my portal so I don't have to see it when I open it up? That's something that you can do. So I want to empower anybody who's like, oh, I really don't like seeing my weight when I go to the doctor. You don't need to see it. So you can say, hey, I'm going to step on backwards or hey, I'm going to close my eyes or whatever you need to do. And they then won't say what your weight is. Now, something a little strange about me. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something a little strange about me. People find it very strange. I don't think it's that strange, but I've had the same doctor for basically my whole life. I moved here in second grade and I moved to Tennessee and we got a family doctor and that doctor was my doctor from second grade until about three years ago. And she was a pediatrician, family doctor. She was my gynecologist. She was everything. So I went to her forever, knew her forever, felt very comfortable with her and knew that when I went there and I saw her nurse in the beginning, like I would never have any issues with asking for what I needed. And part of that comes from, I mean, I had stuff happen early on in my life that made me very worried and conscious of my weight. And I've had many conversations with really a lot of helpful conversations with my doctor who normalized a lot of the fears that I had. And so she knew from a very early age that that was something that was a little sensitive to me or at times a lot sensitive. Well, three years ago, that doctor retired and I'm very happy for her. Hopefully we all get to retire one day. But that really stunk for me because then I had to get a new doctor and they replaced her. Her replacement was actually really awesome. But then her replacement then left like a year later. So then I had to get a doctor, another doctor again. And the interim doctor that I have right now, I've had to see a couple times in the last year. And again, how I, I wish that my doctor didn't retire selfishly for me. And at the same time, I'm really grateful for this experience because I've now had to walk through firsthand how intimidating and scary sometimes finding a new doctor of any kind can be, especially if you haven't really ever had to do it. So it gave me a different experience and perspective of what that's like for other people, which was really helpful. Now, I had to go see this new doctor who had a different nurse, who the nurses who would weigh you and go through the, you know, little, I don't know, kind of things before the doctor comes and see you. I don't know what exactly, like your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. So the first time I went to see this doctor, I said, hey, I don't want to know my weight. And the nurse, I don't know how to describe how, how she responded, but it just wasn't very kind. And she said, I don't really care what you do, but I need you to put your coat down. And I was like, okay, that was like a little bit of a vulnerable thing that I shared. And that didn't really feel awesome to hear that back, but whatever. So got off the scale. She said, do you want to know if it went up or down? And I said, no, I don't want to know anything about it. So that happened. Three months later, I go back to this doctor and I just imagine doctors might make a note of that of client doesn't want to know or patient doesn't want to know weight, doesn't want to know trends, all of that. Apparently that didn't happen. Went back and I said again, which she said, get on the scale. I said, I don't want my weight. She said, I said, I'm going to close my eyes. And she said, well, you can just get on backwards. And I said, okay, let's get on backwards again, kind of cold. And we're walking back to the, the room and she goes, you know, that's just what I have all my little bulimics do is step on backwards. And to the average human being, I guess that might not mean anything to them, but that really didn't feel very good to hear because one, I got some knowledge that, well, you really don't know what's in my chart. (laughs) And then two, I just didn't like the way that felt talking about somebody who's struggling with an eating disorder or has had an eating disorder. I I just didn't like the way that that felt, the way she said that. Some people, it it wouldn't bother them and that's okay. I'm not even here to change that nurse's behavior, but it didn't feel very good to me. 
Now, this did not trigger me to engage in any old behavior or anything like that, but it did create some anger inside of me. And this justice part came out that just was like, that's not right. That doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel loving. It doesn't feel caring. It doesn't feel empathetic. It doesn't feel compassionate because obviously there's a reason I didn't want to see my weight and there wasn't any desire to even understand that. And again, that doesn't have to be the way that that person operates, but it sent something inside of me that was like, "Mm, this doesn't feel like a good place. So instead of engaging in a behavior, like I said, I wasn't really triggered to do that, but I did have a lot of emotion inside of me. And so I wrote some stuff down and then I kind of vented and processed it out with a friend. And then I scheduled an appointment with a new doctor. And I'm sharing this because a lot of times when I talk to people about, hey, you know, you can say you don't want to see your weight if that's really hard for you. It feels hard and it feels scary because there's a lot of unknown in that. Like, how are they going to react? Like, what if they judge me? What if they make fun of me? What if they act rude? What if they say it anyway? Like, there's a lot of what ifs that might come from you asking for a need to be met. What if my need is not met in the way I need it to be met? And what I experienced is that exact thing. Like I said something and like, that's not what I really wanted to receive. And it happened more than once in two different ways. And it, it didn't sit right with me for whatever reason. And again, I want to be very vocal about this is about me not getting what I need when it comes to my specific care and me as a human, not with anybody doing their job wrong. That's not even a concern of mine right now. It's that this didn't feel right to me and what I need and what I know works for me. So in hindsight, I am very glad that I got this response. I'm really glad that I had to ask for that. And then I got this response because the worst that could really happen isn't one of those what ifs. The worst that could really happen is that I stay going to see a doctor for years and years and years that I don't feel fully safe and comfortable with and that I don't feel fully safe sharing my story with and opening up with. And something that I loved about my first doctor is that I went to her when I was feeling depressed before I went to a therapist. When I was feeling anxious, I went to her before I went to a therapist and she actually ended up referring me to one of my therapists. But she said in that doctor's appointment that she feels that the most of what she does is provide more counseling type services, a space to understand somebody, to hear somebody, to talk somebody through a tough time and to be a safe space for them. And I did not feel that in this new space was the same office building, just a different actual office, different practitioners. And so I know what I need in order to actually get my needs met when it comes to medical things. And I need a a space that feels really safe and open and, and compassionate. I need that. Some people don't need that. I as a human need that. And so again, the worst that could happen is not that that's the response I get. It's that I never ask for my needs and that I don't actually get my needs met. And If I tell them and I get that response that I'm scared of, the one that doesn't feel good, then it just confirms that this is not the right fit. And like, hopefully I'll go find somebody else to see, which is what I did. And this kind of thing reminds me of what happens when partners in relationships don't want to say the wrong thing or ask for too much because if they do, what if their partner leaves them because they're needy or they overreacted or this or that or something along those lines. And Well, you're going to lose either way if that's the way you're operating, right? Because you either pretend to be somebody you're not, you hide your needs, and then you don't get your needs met. 
or you ask for what your needs are, you ask for your needs, you show up as yourself, and then that gets rejected or you don't get your needs met still. If you're with that person and that is how they are going to respond to you asking for your needs, then whether you ask for them or you don't, you're still not getting them met. And that's never going to leave you fully satisfied. It's never going to leave you feeling safe in your relationship. And it's the same with me at the doctor's office, right? The way to get my needs met are to see where my needs, that like there's availability for that. Like what kind of person actually matches up with what I need? That's how I get them met. So I might have to go through some experiences where I feel rejected or just not cared for well in order to get to a place where I do feel accepted and cared for well. The way to get your needs met is to find people who can show up the way that fits with what you are needing, not mask your needs to fit with what a person can provide, especially in a doctor's office when you're going there to get an actual like safety health need met. So again, I share this not to scare you to be like, this is what can happen if you ask for your needs at the doctor. Like I'm not trying to scare you at all because in the end, this experience was really good for me. It's bringing me closer to actually getting my needs met so I can feel safe, so I can feel comfortable, so I can be in a space that is compassionate. Again, some people like to go to the doctor, get through it, move goodbye. That is not me. I need to feel like if there's some tears that need to be shed, those can come out. I can ask a lot of questions. I can be confused. I can be scared. I need, that's what I need in a doctor's office. So if I would have started with, I want to share this story as some words of encouragement. You'd be like, huh? But hopefully through this long-winded explanation of a pretty short story, you can see how this thing that at first glance or in the beginning when it happened, because I will tell you, I did cry after this doctor's appointment, didn't feel great at first, but then it led me to actually feeling way better. And I know that what I experienced was not an attack on me. I wasn't responded to in that way because I did something wrong or that I was asking for too much or any of that. I was responded to that way because where I was didn't have the tools and the understanding and the knowledge to really offer me what I needed in that moment. And because I know that, I can go try to find a place that does have that. So let your needs be known. And if they are met with rejection or cruelty or a lack of compassion or any of that, then you just have more information that that is not the place that you might want to go in the future for that specific thing. And so I'm not going to go to that doctor's office anymore. And I'm okay with that. Although there are also, talk about feelings, there's some grief in the fact that I've been going to that doctor's office for how many years is that? Second grade, you're like eight. I'm 33. That's 20, 23, 24, 25 years. That's a long time. So there is grief in that. Anywho, I'm going to wrap that up because I think I kind of said what I need to say, kind of tipping off for next week for Nita Week to just give some space and some time to dedicate to talking about things that have to do with our body image, with our relationship with food and with what we see around us, with diet culture, with anti-diet culture, all of that stuff. So if you have any questions, feedback, anything, if you have a similar story, like I do, or if you have any tips that you've learned that might be helpful to other people when you're going to the doctor and want to kind of, you know, stay off of knowing what your weight is, send those to me. You can email me, Catherine at you need therapy 
You can follow me at cat.defada and at Unitherapy Podcast. And I hope you guys are having the day you need to have. I will talk to you guys on Monday. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.